turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred seven pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Good evening and welcome to the Andrea K Show. It is Monday night here in San Diego, a cooler San Diego. Ah, things cool down. We had about a, a week or so. That it was like 100 degrees at the coast, like 90% humidity. It was like, you know what? I moved out of New Orleans to get away from frizzy hair like this. What the heck am I doing here? But anyway, it is a cool, clear, beautiful night here in the KCBQ AM 1170, The Answer Studios. And I'm thrilled to spend this hour with all of y'all out there. None other than, first of all, in the booth with me, DJ Carrot Sticks, Todd. Ooh. Yay! Todd took Labor Day off. It was nice. Uh, yeah, it was Did not it? labor on Labor Day. Well, I labored on Labor Day. Alicia Durant labored right along with me on Labor Day. So did Nick. And speaking of Alicia, the legal libertarian analyst of the show and business leader herself, she's going to be on next hour. We're going to be chatting the GOP debates and also the Bellatrix business block will be with us. Uh, You know, she owns and operates a, you know, people, people don't always think of attorneys as being business owners. In addition to being a labor law attorney, she actually owns a business. And so we're going to be doing her Bellatrix business block. You're going to want to stay tuned for that in the second hour because it's a really it's a topic really near and dear to my heart. It involves foster children. And so we've got a really great nonprofit who's going to be on in the second hour called Perfect Face. And we're going to be talking to them. If you want to be a part of the show, there's a few different ways to do that. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrea K Show. You can friend me or follow me on Facebook. You can like my fan page, and you you can also call in the show at 888-344-1170. It is Monday, September 14th. That means that we are three days past September 11th. So you know what? I guess I'm not supposed to be talking about September 11th anymore, right? Uh, I was really unhappy on Friday, September 11th um, with what I thought was really less than appropriate coverage of the day. Let me explain why. Almost immediately, I don't remember how quickly, maybe Todd can research this during the show. I don't remember how quickly the mantra, never forget, came about after September 11th. I don't know if it was six minutes, six days, six months. I don't know. But since then, that has been the lexicon, if you will, of September 11th and the attack on American soil by the ideology of radical Islam. But as time, and I really embraced that mantra almost immediately because I really believed in it. I really believed that it meant something. But now it's become, to me, almost irrelevant. It's become a platitude. And I, and I had some people less than happy with me on September 11th on Friday for saying this. But it's become a platitude almost as meaningless or, you know, to be sarcastic, as meaningful as the coexist bumper stickers. Like we're supposed to be able to coexist. How do you coexist? You can't coexist with everybody. That's like saying you can live next door to Ted Bundy. You know, that's how meaningful or meaningless, whichever term way you want to look at it, the mantra of never forget has become to me because we have forgotten. In fact, it has gone from never forget to come on in. 
Last week, I think I talked about how it's gone from never forget to how can we help you with the Iran nuke deal. Whereas we're talking about the refugee crisis on top of the Iran nuke deal. It's not only how can we help you, but it's while we're at help, while we're at it trying to help you build a nuke against us, we're also going to welcome you here. And we're supposed to remember more than just one of the reasons why people weren't happy when I said this and when I was criticizing the never forget is that I'm not meaning to imply that we should not remember the people who died. Of course, we're supposed to remember the precious lives who were lost, but we're also to remember the reason that they perished. That to me was the, was really the purpose behind the saying, never forget. It wasn't just about the, the memorials of the people who died. They did not perish because of an accident. This was not plane mal, you know, equipment malfunction that took down the Twin Towers on September 11th and killed thousands of people. These people did not die due to terminal illness. They died because of a political ideology, one that is of terror. And it's not unlike, you know, we since then, one of the reasons why we have forgotten is because so many people are saying, well, we can't, there's no such thing as a war on terror. We can't really wage a war against an ideology. Oh, yes, we can. Isn't that what we did against communism? That's an ideology. And in fact, that ideology is not not completely far off uh, from Islam. But any time that... Anytime that somebody dies, you know, just recently we had these reporters that died in Roanoke and the dad immediately came out and and a lot of people criticized him for this because he came out and he said that he he started pushing immediately for gun control. I said, you know what? I get it. I get why he's doing it because he's trying to make sense of the fact that his daughter died. He's trying to to take that tragedy and have it be for good so that she didn't die in vain and so that they can prevent further deaths. And while I disagree with his stance on gun control, I get that that's where he was coming from. Well, to me, that's what the Never Forget was supposed to be about as well. It was supposed to be about understanding why everybody died on 9-11 so that we can prevent it from ever happening again. And so that's why it needs to be on 9-11. It needs to be far more than just the reading of names on the anniversary. But we need there needs to be a concerted coalition of Americans all coming together, just like we did back then on that day when we had the week of 9-11, we had all the Congress people coming out on the steps and, and, you know, praying, you know, we came together as a nation, but since then we've splintered apart and largely we've splintered apart on the, on the idea of Islam. And so we absolutely have forgotten. How could we not have forgotten when we not only were no longer together after 9-11, we split apart to the point to where we had a majority of the United States of America elect a man who was raised as a Muslim, elect a man who wrote in a book called Dreams of My Father that should the winds shift in an ugly direction, I will stand with the Muslims. That was what, 2008? Seven years Yes, we have forgotten. And then on top of it, after he gets elected, after his policies pave the way for the rise of radical Islam all across the Middle East, while he's simultaneously bad-mouthing Christianity and defending Islam every chance he gets, more Americans die on the anniversary of September 11th, and Americans re-elect him as president. And they did this while the Republican Party in 2008 and 2012 refused to deal with this issue directly. They refuse to name the enemy and its location. So, yeah, we've absolutely have forgotten. I want to read you a couple of quotes. Oh, another example of how we've forgotten, something that I didn't even notice. 
Hat tip to Timothy Shea for mentioning on 9-11. Did you know this, DJ Carrot, Carrot Sticks, that on the top of the Freedom Tower, where thousands of Americans perished at the hands of radical Muslims, they have set a Muslim symbol on the top of the Freedom Tower. Did you know that? No idea. I didn't know it either. The crescent moon or something? No, it's not a crescent. It's something called a minaret. It's a spire. It's a symbol. It's a symbol for the takeover of, of, of the, re, uh, the reconquest of a Muslim land. Because this is the, this is the land that they want to con- that they want to conquer, that they want to take, the land that's owned by the infidel. How far, don't tell me, never forget, when we have a Muslim symbol on the top of the Freedom Towers that replaces the towers that were taken down by Muslims. So don't tell me that we haven't forgotten. And in fact, I want to read you a quote, an obscure quote from somebody. And the reason why I chose this is because this is a mainstream guy. See, people want to tell us, oh, those are just the far, the far extremists. Those are the extremists of the, uh, of the Muslims. Well, let me read you a quote from the former Muslim chaplain of Yale University. This guy trotting around the university. Here in America, one of the Ivy League schools, he says that he believes the Koran pushes us. This is a direct quote, pushes us in the exact opposite direction of the forces of as opposite direction as the forces at work in the America, American political spectrum. And he goes on to argue that Muslims cannot accept the legitimacy of the existing order. The first Iman, which means they aren't on board. With this democracy situation or this republic in the U.S. Constitution, the mainstream mindset of Muslims is that they do not like Western civilization. They do not like our culture and they want to change it from within. There's two forms of terror going on in this country. One involves death at the hands of the Muslims and the other involves a takeover from within. The first imam to ever deliver Muslim prayer at the House of Representatives holds that if the Muslims unite... If they just all get together, they can elect their own president. That's the goal. The goal is to take over America from within. And you know what? We're allowing that to make it happen. We're making that man's goal come true because we're importing these people into here. And we have even conservatives and others that are arguing to make that happen. Oh, if you like John McCain up there in front of Congress showing a picture of a little boy who washed ashore. Well, that's tragic. But are we going to hand over our entire nation to an ideology that wants to take us over from within because a toddler died? We can't. No, we can't do that. Bashar Assad said himself in 2013, terrorism will not stop here. It will export itself through illegal immigration into Europe. That's already happened. Europe is already gone. Read the book while Europe slept. And not only that, I want to read another stat. This was provided by Peggy on on Facebook. Two million people have been killed in the name of Islam since 9-11 in 25,000 attacks. This is what we're bringing to our shores here. We are importing in intolerance and people who want to take us over from within. A certain percentage of those want to take us over from by the sword. And the rest want to take us over by replacing the Koran with Sharia. This is what we face. We've gone from never forget to come on in and bring it on here. We're going to take a break. When we come back. We're going to pick it up on the other side. We're going to continue to talk about the refugees. We've got a report, a live report coming in from Israel. And then we're also going to continue on the show. We've got Charles Ortel who's going to be on talking about Hillary and the foundation is getting ugly out there with her. But stay with me, folks. You're listening to the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Be sure to follow Andrea K. on Twitter at Andrea K. Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. 
Attention business owners, does the thought of hiring a lawyer make your palms sweat? Do you worry about the day a lawsuit, audit, or other nasty surprise could threaten your entire livelihood? Trade in the sweaty palms for peace of mind. Bellatrix PC's Peace of Mind Plan gives you a lawyer for a low monthly price. Plan your legal compliance, get advice, and prevent problems. Sign up now at peaceplan.biz. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. Outsource your worries. Peaceplan.biz. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657 Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Watch out for she'll you up. Oh, Ooh, great song, DJ Carrot Sticks. I don't know that I'm a man eater. I'm definitely a donut eater. I do it every Monday night right here at 8 p.m. Pacific time on AM 1170, The Answer. I tell you what, I'm ready to eat some people up over this radical Islam situation. This is something that's been a concern. Y'all know many of you have been listening to The Andrea K. Show for a while. And you know that this has been a, a regular concern for me I've from two levels. I've been saying for a long time, I've been, with, I've been talking about the border since long before Donald Trump was talking about the border. I've been talking about it being the number one issue that we face from a variety of different levels. we got the southern border here in Mexico that's bringing all kinds of bad stuff from a security standpoint, an economic standpoint across the border here, destroying us from within. I've been talking about an economic virtual sta- uh, border as well as the radical Islam situation that we got going on here. There was a question, I think it was on last week's show, when I was talking to Alicia. She had not heard that um, there was so many refugees that had been brought here by our administration, starting with President Bush, actually, and setting up shop all throughout the country. And I think Timothy Shea actually posted an article. Timothy, if you're listening, if you can maybe find that article and post it on my Facebook wall. It might be on your wall. It's absolutely true. They have been importing. We have not only gone from never forget to come on in. This has been going on a long time since not long after September 11th. Now, I know that I'm going to get lots of calls from people saying, uh, uh, you know, oh, it's only a small percentage of the radical, like I said before the break. I agree with, are there some people that are, that are moderates that are not, you know, about to try to, aren't interested in trying to take us over from within or kill us? Yeah. But it's like Bridget Gabriel says, they're irrelevant. They don't matter because you're either part of the solution or you're part of the problem. And a, a friend of mine who's an actor who doesn't go public with his conservative viewpoints posted an, a video, sent it to me messaging on the stealth. And it was... Uh, a video of U.S. Admiral, retired Admiral James Ace Lyons, and he said, until you realize that Islam is a political movement masquerading as a religion, you're never going to come to grips with it. And worse, he goes on to say that any thinking American can recognize it. The Obama administration has an anti-American, an anti-Western view, a pro-Islamic view, 
and a pro-Iranian view, which is why we have this nuke deal going on. And we've got David Weissman, who's going to be calling in in a minute from Jerusalem. He's been really focused on this issue, writing a lot of great articles about it. And he's actually even got an an event coming up for the Iranian nuke, uh, nuke deal that I want him to talk about. Refugees. Suddenly we've got this refugee crisis. We've got all these millions of people that just got to get out of there. And, oh, my gosh, we got we got to help these poor people. Well, why is it that all the pictures of all these refugees coming out, at least the vast majority of them, all look like they're 25 years old and like military guys? They're the most radical of the radical. And then we even see images in Germany. And Germany and other countries now are like, you know what, maybe we need to rethink this plan of bringing them in as they're waving around the ISIS flag all over the place. And we know that they won't assimilate. We already know that. We already know that because of what's already happened in Europe. We talked about that last week about how, you know, the the Europeans shoved them into some outlying areas and and given them a lot of entitlement and welfare programs and allowed them to have family reunification. And now they, you know, they've just got large large parts of Europe under Sharia. And that's exactly what's happening here. We've got the importation of this and some stats going on here with refugees. More than 90% of recent Middle Eastern refugees who've come here are on food stamps, and almost 70% of them are on cash welfare. Well, that's all, isn't that the same kind of situation we've got going on with uh, people coming here from across the Mexican border? We are importing people to expand a dependency class. There's a reason why Obama is pro-Islamic and uh, pro-bringing the refugees in. It's because it helps increase the dependency class because they are compatible. Islam is compatible with communism and Marxism. What are they both about? They are both about a centralized government having control over every aspect of people's lives. That's what it's about. And to make matters worse, not only is it compatible, not only are they bringing all these people here to expand the welfare state, but now we're in extreme jeopardy for the first time in our lives. We're looking at the fact that the very people who declared their, their children chant in school all day long, death to America, are the very people we're giving a nuke to. I tell you who's on the front lines of it is David Weissman. He's over in Jerusalem. They are the people that, you know, have, they're supposed to be our greatest ally and we are leaving them as sitting ducks. Hey, David, welcome back to the Andrea K Show. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Now, I know that you are as focused, if not more focused, on what's going on with this Iran nuke deal as I am and about the threat of radical Islam. Right? Yes, that's correct. Well, tell everybody why it's so important to you, what you're doing about it, and I know that you've got an event that you're trying to raise awareness of. Um, Yes, uh, well, it's very important. Um, I know the White House, you know, has good intentions on what they're trying to do. It's just um, Iran has a history of terror against not only Israel, but Americans too. And what uh, what I'm trying to do, um, I started this event, a uh, Facebook rally called uh, Nuke, the Iran Nuke Neo. And what we're trying to do is we're posting um, accurate, legit articles uh, regarding this deal, regarding Iran, um, you know, what they've done to Americans and Israel. And um, we're educating people what's going on and also encouraging people to um, call congressmen because we still have time to, uh, you know, convince them to say this is really a bad deal. I mean, this deal gives them so much leeway in, in, in money and, um, fund, you know, funding for terror. Um, it's, you know, it's a crazy deal. Well, it's also getting heated over there, isn't it? Didn't I see that you posted some stuff on Facebook about some people being attacked over there? Uh, that's correct. Uh, we, we've been having um, a lot of incidents the past few days. Uh, 
especially around the, the Temple Mount. Uh, a lot of clashes with uh, um, the police, with, uh, with the Arabs, and as well as around the old city. In fact, uh, we had an Israeli that actually died to uh, his wounds from um, Arabs throwing rocks at him. Wow. Where can people get more information on the event? Um, well, they can follow um, they can follow my Twitter page, uh, David Weissman, W-E-I-S-S-M-A-N, uh, at, um, at David Weissman 3, sorry, um, and also my Facebook page, too. And uh, Jerusalem Post is very good, as well as uh, Israeli National News. Well, thank you so much for calling in. God bless Israel. We need to get together as a nation, and we need to stop this. This is probably the biggest, most important foreign policy decision that's been made in the history of America, in my opinion. Because these, when these people say death to America, they mean it. When they're burning the Israeli flag in the streets and say death to Israel, they mean it. This is their goal. And we're handing it to them. And the politicians in America are lying. I posted an article the other day about the Republican strategy, the um, the false fight after they've surrendered strategy that the Republicans always do. They pretend like they're fighting on our behalf for the Iran nuke deal when they already, through the Corker bill, already made it possible to pass. But we got to put some we got to put some pressure on our government to do the right thing. And, David, I thank you so much for the efforts that you're making on that. And thank you for being a good friend and supporter of the Andrea K. Show. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. All right. God bless. Um, Some Americans are starting to get it. There is in Sterling Heights, Michigan, and and what's happening is these refugees have been sent and dispersed all around the country, which is the same thing that they've been doing when we were told we had all these unaccompanied minors, you know, that were coming across the Mexican border. Well, they were putting them on buses and sending them, dispersing them all around the country. Same thing when they let all the, uh, the felons out that were illegals, like the one that shot Steinle. When they let the criminals out into the streets, they disperse them all around America, like, you know, kind of like trash out in the ocean, I guess, thinking that we're not going to notice. But what's happened is, is they've just developed large communities. And Dearbornistan is, is one of them in Dearborn, Michigan. Well, this is Sterling Heights. A, a report has come out that a panel, city planning commissioners, unanimously denied a request Thursday to build a proposed mosque after an official said it would not sit in with uh, would not fit in with surrounding properties. It was a nine to zero vote after months long controversy where where of course you've got the Muslims. Uh, they know they're so smart. They're so smart to try to use our civil rights against us, to try to use the movement of political correctness against us. If we had not forgotten what happened on September 11th, I mean, how did how, we not only have forgotten, but we've we've turned right around and we're enabling them. We're we're too fearful to even say the truth that it's radical Islam that this it's actually Islam. As I quoted that Yale uh, Muslim chaplain, if if Muslim and chaplain can be used together. But this is what they're doing. We're handing over our country on a platter of political correctness. This mosque, and I want to know how a small community like Sterling Heights has the money to build a 20,500 square foot mosque on four and a half acres of undeveloped property. It's in the community was saying it's too tall. It's too large. And it's end quote. I love this quote. It's not harmonious with neighboring properties. There's nothing harmonious about Islam and the American culture. They are not coming here to emigrate and assimilate into our culture. This is what they're coming here to do to take us over from within. God bless these people in Sterling Heights. It said, you know what? You can call us a bigot and Islamophobic all day long. You are not building your 21,000-square-foot mosque and taking over our community. 
follow the money. We need to find out where the money is coming from for these 20,000 square foot mosques that they're going to put in these small communities. And how many people that they got? Let me tell you about these mosques. We got one not far from here. The one on Balboa, DJ Carrot Sticks. That's the mosque where where two of the pilots from September 11th got radicalized. Al-Alaki was in the very mosque that's been sitting here in San Diego for many years. We And we, we have an FBI. We have an FBI that's, that's investigating every police department in this country, hoping they can find a white person that's ever said an N-word before. Meanwhile, they are nowhere in any mosque investigating the radicalization. In fact, not only are they not doing that, but the mosque that produced the Muslim that cut off a co-worker's head in Oklahoma, they got a thank you letter not thanking him for cutting off the woman's head but he sent them a letter telling him them how how great he thought that mosque was and what a contribution they made to society he congratulated them on their contribution to american society that's how far we've gotten in terms of of complete we've got we not only have forgotten but our minds have been so flipped around we have been so indoctrinated into enabling islam in this country that we now have elected a man into office who's sending the very mosque that produced a radical to cut off an American's head. He sent them a love letter. That's where we're at. Well, I tell you where we're at. We're, it's about time to take a break. When we come back, we're going to shift gears. We're going to talk Hillary Clinton because you know what? She's about as corrupt, if not more corrupt than Obama, and she's just as evil as he is. And we got lots to talk about there. There's more news that's come out about her email situation and the foundation. And, in fact, we've got Charles Ortel, who's done extensive research into the Clinton Foundation, and he says she's toast. I don't know about that, but we'll find out when we come back after the break. This is the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Want more Andrea Kay? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea Kay, spelled K-A-Y-E. Do you struggle with the day-to-day management of your business? Proteus takes the pain out of the business process management by providing you a complete system for efficiency, automation, continuity. Proteus is business solution that wraps itself around your business and grows with you. Gone are the days of multiple programs and systems for sales, inventory, customer management, and financial reporting. Proteus serves your business every day, all day, and revolutionizes the way you do business. Visit us today to see how Proteus can assist you online at www.proteuserp.com or call today 877-749-3533. Attention business owners, does the thought of hiring a lawyer make your palms sweat? Do you worry about the day a lawsuit, audit, or other nasty surprise could threaten your entire livelihood? Trade in the sweaty palms for peace of mind. Bellatrix PC's Peace of Mind plan gives you a lawyer for a low monthly price. Plan your legal compliance, get advice, and prevent problems. Sign up now at peaceplan.biz. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. Outsource your worries. Peaceplan.biz.
Fresh Healthy Vending, the nation's largest healthy vending company, is looking for locations in this area to place its latest innovation. A fresh, healthy micromarket at absolutely no cost to your business. A fresh, healthy micromarket is like a mini health food store for your office break room. Choose from breakfast meals, fresh salads, wraps, hot meals, smoothies, cold-pressed juices, and more, all at a convenient self-checkout kiosk. Now you can offer your employees exactly what they want. All natural, healthy, fresh, and organic foods. Fuel productivity and creativity, decrease absenteeism, and increase morale. Fresh Healthy Vending is offering the first 20 offices that sign up $250 cash and 15% of the net profits each micromarket generates each month. For free information about this exciting and healthy opportunity, visit freshandhealthy.org to request your free machine. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. That's the Go-Go's. I haven't heard the Go-Go's in a long time. Girl power, right? Thank great, great music choices there, DJ Carrot Sticks. Um, girl power. That's what 2016 was supposed to be. It was all... It was supposed to be all about the lady parts and Hillary. Poor Hillary. She's down like 30-something points with the Democrats. We're going to talk about talk about poll numbers later, but her poll numbers are down. Her lady parts aren't strong enough to keep her up, given what's happening here. I predict she's going to go down in terms of the Democratic nomination. They're getting Joe ready. They're going to do something. I don't think they're going to keep her around. But the question is, what's going to happen to her legally? We find out today there's more reports. New bombshell, the article says, a five-month gap in Hillary's emails are missing. And this revelation has come about, you know, what would we do without Judicial Watch? There would be absolutely no way we would have, have any idea what has gone on with this administration. You know, this was the administration that said that the rule of law and transparency will be the hallmarks of their administration. Meanwhile, they have done everything they could to keep everything that they're doing from the American public. What difference at this point does it make? Oh, I wish I'd been sitting in that congressional subcommittee when she said that to me. I would say, you know what difference it makes? There's four. There's the families of four dead Americans and their lives have been changed every day for the rest of their lives. Thanks to you and what you did. And you're dang right. It makes a difference to those people. And obviously doesn't make any difference to you, Hillary, because you don't care about anything but yourself and your own power and your parts. Okay, but what you did makes a hell of a lot of difference to the American people. And we haven't forgotten about that. Never forget. We am forgetting about you, Hillary. And we're not forgetting about the Benghazi situation either five months of of emails gone we know she lied about it she thinks she's going to get away with it we need a special prosecutor she's already admitted that she got rid of 30,000 emails and she did it after the subpoena Boehner said the other day he wrote an article on his website the John Boehner website nine lies well, wait a second, Boehner. You've just documented nine lies that the Secretary of State told in regards to her emails in Benghazi, and you're doing nothing about it. Where's the special prosecutor? Rand Paul, Sunday, goes on an interview with Aaron Klein, who, who wrote a book. In fact, he and, and his brother wrote a book about Benghazi. I had him on my show talking about the gun running situation. Rand Paul says she lied in the Benghazi hearing. Okay, we know she lied. Another lie that everybody says that they know she did. Where's the special prosecutor? Why are we not holding her? accountable uh, tonight we're going to talk to charles ortel his friend jerome corsi wrote a great article that was making the circulation today for on world that uh, uh world net daily 
the article is I, I posted on my Facebook wall. The Clinton Foundation is a vast criminal conspiracy. Uh, before the show tonight, I talked to Charles, and here's what he had to say about Hillary. Welcome, Charles Ortel, to the Andrea Kay Show. Very happy to be on, Andrea. Well, thank you. Um, great article this morning that someone posted on my Facebook wall from Jerome Corsi, in which he cites you as a Wall Street analyst and investor, and that you have, and I quote here, you have claimed and are claiming that the Clintons and their associates have been engaged in a, quote, vast criminal conspiracy to defraud the general public, enrich themselves, and entrench their political influence. And you are calling, you say the evidence calls for criminal investigation by the FBI, as well as attorneys general in four states. Now, those are those are some claims you're making there, Charles. Back it up. Very happy to. So, uh... Public charities, that is to say charities that are authorized by the Internal Revenue Service that solicit funds, have solemn responsibilities, particularly the trustees, that would be uh, the Clintons now and, and others, are in fact responsible to make sure that the financial statements and filings that they make to the public are, tr- are tr- true, accurate, and complete, and certainly not materially misleading. In addition, uh, charities of the size that the Clinton Foundation has been since 2002 have to get an independent audit. And they can't just get a, a bunch of friends in the back room to stamp independent audit on a piece of paper. It actually has to be a full, informed, complete, and lawful independent audit. The Clinton Foundation has never had such an audit. The audits that they produce, and I speak as somebody with a lot of experience looking at financial statements, advising people around the world ever since 1980 on matters like this. And I can tell you, um, the, the audits are deficient, the filings are contradictory, and all the while, what they've been doing is they've been out raising money from the gullible public, uh, collecting uh, since 2002 around $2 billion, that's with a B, billion dollars, from a variety of sources. And the reports that are in the public domain, instead of being full and complete, are purposefully, it seems, designed to mislead people. Well, let's back up here, though, because in regards to the filings, the Clintons have admitted that um, their paperwork has kind of not been necessarily the cleanest. However, their CEO, Miss Mara Pally, I'm not sure how to say her name, says that, you know what, Charles, she says that's just the same thing with all the organizations. That's common. That is rubbish. That is rubbish. I mean, the rules are extremely strict. First of all, when you set up a public charity, you have you can't set up. It's not like getting a driver's license where you you know you get your license in Arkansas and you can drive all over the world. When you set get get a license from the IRS or get, fill out an application for the IRS describing what it is you intend to do, it must be true in all material respects. The original application that they got was to operate a library and related research facility concerning Bill's historical career up to the time he left based on a Little Rock campus. The uh, the most recent um, reaction from the IRS to that application was dated the 21st of May 2002, which authorized them for that purpose, those purposes alone. Beginning less than two months later, 
they started collecting money and not reporting the amounts that they gotten uh, from around the world correctly to fight, in theory, HIV-AIDS around the world. And they ended up doing that in part from two different offices in Boston. Again, they didn't comply with local laws properly about registering those offices in Boston. And then exactly how much money they got and how much money they spent is a complete mystery to this day. Reports they filed did not check with the reports of the principal donors around the world. And as I say, we've gone through and we will be releasing next week an even more detailed report to let you understand what we've been able to find from the available public filings. And in no way, I mean, you call, call up some of those Tea Party conservatives targeted by the very same branch of the IRS run by Lois Lerner that was supposed to be after this one. Ask them how closely their records are checked. Oh, right. Absolutely. And this article here also talks about the fact that um, even though they came out and said in terms of their filings, yeah, we know our paperwork wasn't the best, but, you know, it was, you know, this is the kind of thing that's common. Since then, they still haven't. This was in April. They still have not filed or posted on their website corrected financial statements. Meanwhile, as you say, they're still continuing to go around and raise money. Yeah, and the the rules on this are very, very strict. Unfortunately for the Clintons, they've been engaged in disaster relief. They've been raising money for disaster relief. And after the various disasters, starting with 9-11 and others, that happened where brigands would go out and assert that they'd set up a charity and money would flow to those brigands, the the federal sentencing guidelines for fraud in relation to soliciting money on the basis of false and materially misleading financial statements are extremely strict. It's not just that they took the money. The actual felony counts arise each time that you solicit, that you ask for money, using the mail, using the telephone, using digital media, every single solicitation can be grounds for a single fraud count. And each of the uh, felony fraud count, and each of those can carry prison sentences that are extensive, requirements for restitution. And this is a very serious matter. If you Google Texas cancer charity fraud, you'll see that the FTC and a, a bunch of state attorney generals filed a, an extensive complaint earlier this year, I want to say April-May time frame, and that was over only $187 million. Where this time we're talking $2 billion stretched back all the way to, as I say, July 12, 2002. Now, where is um, the Bush family in this? Because they were tied in terms of Haiti relief efforts and fundraising. You have W that was tied in with Bill Clinton, correct? Well, that's, there is a problem there, and, and the problem is this. Uh, I, I've been through the Bush uh, Foundation filings, the, both the, the senior and the, the HW and W, and I have to say off the bat that their filings are on time or closer to being on time. They're more thorough. Their audits make sense. Their numbers make sense. But there's a problem in relation to sort, sort of an off-the-books operation that happened in 2005 over the tsunami relief thing. Um, and I, I, I can't say yet exactly how that touches the Bushes and the Clintons because the numbers are very murky. It was a joint venture with, the, with UNICEF. The UNICEF numbers do not foot with the Clinton Foundation numbers for that year. Then, and then you have the Katrina relief one. There are major problems with that. As far as I can tell, the organization that's described as being the charity was never set up as an independent 501c3 organization. Over $120 million were raised. Uh, a minimum of that, and they don't put in the amounts that the Clintons say they got and the Bushes say they got and what was spent doesn't seem to agree with other public statements. But on Haiti, there's there's some serious problems with Haiti. With Haiti, uh, 
Um, in actual fact, uh, they did actually create an independent 501c3. The Clintons um, booked, basically, it appears they booked all the revenues that they received, which happened in 2010, but failed to consolidate the, year, the, the losses that occurred in 11 and 12 when they spent the revenues they received. Did that involve that expensive apartment in New York City for Chelsea? Again, uh, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? That's highly suspicious. Yeah. Now, um, one of the questions that people are going to have here in this is, well, what, how is Hillary responsible here? She's been running around as Secretary of State, Charles, and there's a whole lot of people involved with this foundation. Why does this matter to her campaign? What does this have to do? How is this tied specifically to Hillary Clinton? Well, I'll tell you, the laws are really, really strict. So the foundation was created back in, uh, let's say it began its official operation in, in size in 2001-2 timeframe. Bill was the founder. The way the rules work is any blood relation, any close relation of Bill, who's an adult, experienced adult, can be deemed to be somebody who exercise, is in a position to exercise significant influence. And so... You're tied in, whether you're a trustee or you're not a trustee. The foundation was indeed called the Bill William J. Clinton Foundation. Then, um, of course, while she was, uh, went through the confirmation process, we will be re- releasing analysis of her candor and disclosing what was going on with the Clinton Foundation as she secured her position uh, to, to be Secretary of State. We think her testimony was not truthful. The financial position of the Clinton Foundation was in desperate shape at the time that she it was. She and others were bragging about what a good job they were doing. And now we've just learned from the Washington Times report moments ago that, indeed, crucial email traffic covering the period from when she became Secretary of State on the 21st of January 2009 uh, through the very beginning period when the Obama administration was just learning about the state of the Clinton Foundation. There don't seem to be any emails. And that's ridiculous. I mean, mm-hmm. there would have been a slew of email traffic. So all that, while she's Secretary of State, uh, because Bill is still operating the foundation, um, she's tied into that. She's still married to him, so she's, she's trapped by the IRS rules. And then once she leaves, she becomes, not only does she become a trustee, but she claims she's spending 20 hours per working week on the foundation during 2013 through 14 and part of 15. We know in 2013 the foundation filed, refiled financial statements, and we know, I know, and we will be explaining why, those the refiled financial statements are fraudulent. They're wrong. While she was a trustee. Right. Now, I don't see anything here in the article, and it may be in your, in your more extensive reports. I think you have something um, on your website that's more st- extensive, correct? I don't see anything in this article about HUMA. Huma Abedin. I know she was working for the foundation as well as as chief of staff for Hillary when she was secretary of state. What do you know about her activities? I know a lot. Um, if you Google me, Charles Ortel with one L in quotes, and Uma Abedin, you'll see I've written about this. There's a crucial period, January 29th, uh, sorry, 29th June 2012 through February 1st, uh, 2013. In that time frame, Uma Abedin was simultaneously, unlike most Americans, holding down, in theory, four jobs. She was paid by Hillary personally. She was paid by the foundation. She was paid by what I consider to be a shadowy outfit called Teneo. Um, and she was paid by we, the taxpayers. Now, it's kind of tough for most Americans to find one job, let alone to hold down four at once. 
Right. She's and, like that skit on In Living Color years ago, you know, the Haymon, where every, everybody in the family had like five jobs. They were like, well, you only have three jobs, you lazy bum. You know, I've got five jobs. That's Huma, right? The hardest working woman in, right. uh, in the government. Mm-hmm. Right. And so the, the, the uh, American public, and really in part thanks to interference run by John McCain, the American public has never adequately vetted Uma Abedin, her background while in college with shadowy, radical Islamist groups. They've never vetted how she came to hold such positions of influence inside the Clinton family, uh, how she could be so close to both Bill and Hillary. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and Michelle that, Bachman wanted some of those questions answered, and she got run out of Washington on a rail by the Republican right, Party. By McCain. Mm-hmm. McCain you know, McCain's uh, ties around the Middle East have never been appropriately vetted either. Yeah, but, he well, sure is awful safe every time he goes over to Syria, isn't he? Yeah, and he's made some extremely bad calls on that. Mm-hmm. So with Uma Vaden, I think what she was doing between June 29th, 2012, Mohammed Morsi had gone off the rails. The 29th of June is when he was sworn in, Egypt time, and he uh, promptly decided to behave like a dictator. And it was imagine making, that. <laughs> and it was making President Obama's reelection campaign look kind of weak. So I suspect she was involved. There's a man on the ground who's just uh, an Egyptian man who had been working for the Clinton Foundation in a senior position called Gadad el-Haddad, who was just, once he left the Clinton Foundation, he went to Cairo. He was, I believe, the spokesperson for the Muslim Brotherhood, this fantastic man who runs Egypt now, General al-Sisi, President al-Sisi, just, well, the court system arranged for this gentleman to spend the next 20 years of his life in prison. I think there are emails tying Gadad Haladad mm-hmm. to Uma Baden and Uma Baden to lots of Muslim Brotherhood and Qatari influences all in this period. And I, I, I bet you that our enemies have them. Right. I bet you the Chinese have them. The American people deserve to see that traffic. Absolutely. And that was also around the time we gave $500 billion. Or was it $500 million to the Muslim Brotherhood over there, correct? I think we gave an arms and armament to Egypt. We gave more than that. And you're right, we released the, we allowed large sums of money to fall. And there's no question that initially, the, the Hillary Clinton as being in charge of Secretary of State and President Obama unleashed a flow, a river, a vast torrent of money to the Muslim Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I think I heard something about Obama's brother. His actual brother was involved in that transaction of money. His half-brother. His half-brother. Yeah, and there the, there's an interesting link, and I can tie it back to the foundation. In the very period where Lois Lerner was, was, was targeting savagely uh, uh, conservative groups, uh, a highly questionable, I go on and say, a fraudulent application to form a related entity around the Clinton Foundation was rushed through, and at the same time, uh, Barack Obama Foundation documents, which were riddled with errors, were backdated, involving this half, very same half-brother you're talking about, were also rushed through. Mm-hmm. So, you know, where's this idea of justice is blind mm-hmm. and that you're treated equally before the law? That's a hallmark that makes this country used to make it great. Not so. Right. Well, speaking of the law, you say here in this article that the biggest unanswered questions concern why state, federal, and foreign government authorities have failed so far to prosecute trustees, execs, executives and agents of the Clinton Foundation and its constituent elements for ceaselessly promoting a global criminal enterprise in the guise of philanthropy. Prediction, will she ever face any worthwhile prosecution for this? 
I think, you know, if this were just still operating in Arkansas or for that matter in one state in New York and not an international fraud, I think they might get away with it. But this is an international fraud. I'll tell you the largest donor, your, your listeners probably don't know that the largest donor has given in uh, the period November 2006 through December 2013, gave the Clinton Foundation $566 million, of which around $75 million went missing during her first campaign and has never been properly reconciled. That's just one. The government of the U.K. has given money. Bill Gates Foundation has given money. Um, other foundations around the world have given substantial money, 10 million here, 30 there, 50 there, 100 here. And, you know, no, the numbers are in a state where you can't go back and cross-check. You know, I gave you 100, but I don't see how it flows through these financial statements. They're, perfect, they're purposely set up, in my view, to disguise what really happened. Well, if they're disguised, though, will she be held to account? I think so. I, okay. I think a process has started now where she, where the foundation will be held to account, and the trustees are personally liable here for vast amounts of money. And some of these trustees are billionaires. Well, I hope that you'll be willing to come back and keep us updated on the progress of this. Anytime. And thank you so much for calling in tonight. Tell everybody what your website is and how they can get more information and read more of your investigations. Sure. Uh, it's Charles Ortel, O-R-T-E-L, one, one word, dot com. Um, there's a, there are two reports. There's a first interim report dated April 20th this year, and a second one that's dated the 8th of September. Also, if you Google me and Clinton Foundation, there's a man named Jer- uh, Jerry, I call him Jerome Corsi, fantastic investigative reporter. He's written a slew of articles about this. More are coming. I've written some in Breitbart. And again, if you uh, if you Google me, uh, you, you'll see them. I've also been appearing here and there, uh, and I intend uh, and I care deeply about charities. I think uh, it's actually in this country uh, the, the people who don't make a lot of money are the ones who give the most to charity. Right. They need to be protected, and I hope to do my part. All right. Well, thank you so much. Have a great night, Charles. Anytime. You know, it's just. The Democrat Party is just so steeped in hypocrisy and double standard, especially these Clintons. They have trotted around for decades now pretending that they were the the couple and the party of the people, caring about the people, the underprivileged and the the blue-collar workers and, and the least among us, when that's all a ruse. Every bit of it is a ruse. It's just like... It's like Obamacare is not really about health care. The Affordable Care Act is not about anything being affordable. It's like every word that comes out of their mouth is the opposite is true. I hate to be cliche, but it's like that old joke, you know, how do you know so-and-so is lying? Their lips are moving. You know, that's the way it is with the Democrats. You know, it's, it's such a con game, a shell game that they're running on the American people. And just like Obama, who said the rule of law and transparency will be the hallmark of my administration. And every time he comes to the microphone, he lies. They have done nothing but hide their entire agenda and everything that they've done, including the Clintons. And of course, the Clintons think they're going to get away with it because they've gotten away with everything that they've done from the very beginning. They got away with Whitewater. They've gotten away with 
the Lewinsky scandal. I mean, it doesn't on and on and on and on and on. She got fired from Watergate from that situation many years ago, but yet she still was able to go on and hold office. The American people are not holding anybody accountable. Meanwhile, well, some people are being held accountable. Great comments on Facebook tonight. You've got people like uh, the Tea Party groups that were held accountable and they were prosecuted or they had their 513Cs organizations held up. you got people that were Dinesh D'Souza, man, the second that allegation came across that about that man, he was prosecuted and locked up and thrown away before I could even bat an eye. Same thing with Scooter Libby. Same thing with Martha Stewart. And neither Scooter Libby nor Martha Stewart actually committed a crime. All they did in it, Scooter Libby did not out Valerie Plame. Martha Stewart did not commit the crime of insider trading. All they got caught in doing is not being 100% truthful in an interview with the government. Well, what's Hillary Clinton done? She has lied and lied and lied. Every American citizen, even baseball players, don't go in and testify in front of Congress because if they even think you're even telling any remotely fudging the truth, you're going to be hauled off to jail. But Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton can go and lie about the deaths of four Americans and get away with it. And you know what? It's bad enough that we have a government and an opposition party that's not holding her accountable for Benghazi or for the emails or for any of her other lies and crimes that she's that she's committed. But the American people are letting them get away with this. I just don't understand. The Ameri- David Wiseman posted on Facebook, how is she even running for president? Well, te- technically in this country, we are innocent until we're proven guilty. But the American people, her poll numbers have dropped from 71% for Democrat women. Her poll numbers are down from 71% to 42%. Forty-two percent of Democrat women in this country still support her. That makes me ashamed to be a woman. That's what I think about you women out there, you Democrats that would support her after what she has done. After she left four, you mothers out there, four children to mothers were left on rooftops and left to die because of Hillary Clinton and Benghazi. And... The rest of the Democrats, non-women, all Democrats have gone from 63 to 42%. So 42% of all Democrats still support her. we got a problem in this country, and it's not just Hillary Clinton. But we're going to be back here after 9 o'clock. We're going to talk about the GOP and the race for the presidency there. We're going to talk about Miss America. Yeah. And we're also going to talk about the Bell- we've got the Bellatrix business block coming up with Alicia Dern. So don't change that dial. we got more of the Andrea Cake show on its way. Thanks for being with me tonight. This program on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Allied Media Group. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and 107 pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome back to the Andrea K Show. It's hour two, and that means another hour of Andrea, and it means double the dynamite. Because also sitting in now in the second hour with me right now is none other than Alicia Duran, legal and libertarian analyst, calling in all the way from St. Louis. Hey, Louis. Hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm excited to be back in the good. studio again. Yeah, I'm glad to have you on the line with me here and excited to talk about, before the break, I was talking about the poll numbers with Hillary. She's mm-hmm. sinking like a stone, girl. Like she's thinking. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> she's sinking and stinking. But you know what? I'm still not sure. Right now, it, it, it looks as though Sanders is like her main competition. I cannot, for the uh, life of me, imagine that the Democrats are actually going to nominate him. However, I have literally seen bumper stickers in San Diego, Alicia, with Bernie Sanders. Uh, I. 
I see it here in St. Louis too, and <laughs> I just want to be like, I just want to say to these people, don't you know he's a he's a socialist? Like, it's it's ridiculous. How could anybody get behind this guy? I mean, but I guess if he's the alternative to Hillary, maybe they don't feel like they have any other choice. Well, but there's what happened to O'Malley? Wasn't O'Malley in the race? The Democrat, the guy with the six pack? He's still, yeah, he's still in the race, uh, but I don't think a lot of people know who he is. He's like the Democrat version of George Pataki. It's like Ann Coulter posted today on Twitter. She was like, is Tacky still in the race? I'm like, who? Oh, yeah, that was the governor of New York. So it's going to be really interesting. One of the things about Sanders is now there's an unofficial poll. We're talking poll numbers. There's an unofficial poll that has happened in the form of the fact that every American president, who obviously have all been men, they've all had good hair. So here, all of a sudden, we're going into 2016 where we've got the leader, leading man in the Democrats is like wild hair Sanders. And then the leading guy on the GOP side is like wild hair squirrel on his head, Trump. Sanders <laughs> <laughs> looks a little like a chia pet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you if you look at the state of America today, things have kind of really gone off the rails. Um, Trump is still yeah. leading. Seriously, though, Trump is still leading in the polls. He's like 30 something percent. Closest is, is Carson around 20 percent. And we have, he's holding, Trump is holding strong. It doesn't seem to matter what he says, whether or not he badmouths Carly Fiorina's face or what it is he says. I mean, he's just holding strong. And in fact, his support with conservatives, with African-Americans, with women is holding. He really is. People are just so fed up with Washington. There's really no mystery to the situation here. What is mysterious to me right now is is how this debate's going to shake up or shake Mm -hmm. down on Wednesday, because I'm curious what the strategy is going to be. We have just seen in the past few days people like Jindal and others coming out attacking Trump. They're obviously trying to draft off of him for attention. I think it's a failed strategy. I'm concerned that what we're going to have Wednesday is a replay of 2012, in which I think it was when the Republicans were all up at the Reagan Library, and it was just bickering. It was the Bickersons on stage, just all attacking each other. And, and nothing of sub- there was nothing really of substance, nothing really policy-related. Right. It was just all attacks on each other. What do you think we can see that we can expect to see Wednesday night? Well, uh, you know, I think, that, I think that's a legitimate fear that we may see that because it's being hosted by CNN. And CNN isn't exactly, you know, pro-Republican Party and isn't it. it, it I think they will take advantage of the politicking and the jogging in here to allow the Republicans to tear each other down. Um, it'll make good TV for them. It will give them plenty of stuff to talk about. So I don't I don't expect that they are necessarily going to control it. I don't think we're going to see the same kind of attack on um, certain uh, candidates like we did with Fox News. But uh, I, I certainly think that the uh, that they'll give them free reign to to argue with each other. Well, I really wish that the Republican Party would get some sense and actually it, prove that they do care about limited government and care about the their constituents and actually go to no moderator. Just give them a topic and have an unpaid intern set a clock and have it be the same question. Divide each debate up into have one foreign policy debate, one economic debate, one on social issues. Give them all the same question and set a clock and just let them talk. That's the only way we're really going to know. Do it American Idol style, you know, kind of, you know, give them all the same song to sing and let them all sing it so we can we can compare. Otherwise, you know, we're not really going to there was not one economic question asked in the first debate. I actually think I think Jake Tapper is probably going to do a better job than Megyn Kelly did. Uh, I think he's actually uh, he's actually a real journalist, even though he's you know, I ended up having to block that guy on Facebook and Twitter 
Um, because he's got, <laughs> he's not a fan of the Andy, Andrea K show. No, huh? Well, I mean, the guy's the guy's so thin skinned. I mean, good grief! It's like he's got you know silk for skin. He's got onion skin. It's like, come on, take a jab. You know, I mean, he uh, can't take it. He can't take any criticism. How um, can you be a journalist and especially in politics and and not and, and be thin skinned? I, I always find that amazing. And you know, to, I, it, my observation is that it, it's the liberals who are specifically that way. You know, if you say mm-hmm. anything, they will come at you. Like crazy, yeah. And it, in fact, I it, I don't remember exactly what it was that he ended up attacking me for, and it was like it just it got stupid, so I just blocked him because it was like well, I don't even need to deal with this. I don't even remember what it was. It was really innocuous. It, I, oh, mm-hmm. you know what? I started to remember what it was. It doesn't matter. It, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> um, anyway, well, I hope, um, I hope for the debate that we're going to see some discussion about the economy, about jobs, about what's going on with ISIS. You know, mm-hmm. some real substantive issues. Um, but I think we're probably going to get questions about gay marriage and social issues that are not the strongest for uh, Republicans as far as sound bites in the media. Well, if they were smart, they would they would just turn it around. Oh, Andrea, if I was up there, Andrea, you know, how do you feel about same-sex marriage? Well, let me tell you what we need to do about the $17 trillion in debt. Oh, but Andrea, you didn't answer the question. Well, let me tell you what we need to do about the $17 trillion in debt. <laughs> Yeah, that's the way to do it. You frame the issue. Yeah, you frame the issue. And, and no matter what they try to pin you down on, you, you, you know, because that's what the American people are resonating with right now. And, and, and you can turn every issue that we have, you can turn it around back to the economy, whether it has to do with immigration, whether it has to do with the social issues. What is the most expensive uh, economic issue? Really, a lot of the social issues are really what's killing us economically. You know, in, in terms of that. And that's ultimately what the debate is about. I am looking for... The Republican candidate that can articulate conservatism the best. And what is that? It is limited government. It is free market capitalism. And to me, so far, going back to since I first seen saw some of these candidates, that was really Ben Carson. To me, he's really done the best job of explaining why the free market is the best system to rise the most people up out of poverty. And he's a living example of it. Right. I agree with that. Um, you know, I, I'm, I, Ben Carson isn't my first choice, but I find him to be a solid candidate and an acceptable second choice for me. So uh, I'm glad to see that he's doing as well as he is. I actually thought after the last debate that he came across kind of soft-spoken and that he was just going to fade into oblivion. So I was obviously wrong. <laughs> and right. I'm happy to see I'm happy to see him uh, doing as well as he is because if, if nothing else, he's a great example of uh, what you can do with determination and freedom. What you can do with determination, with freedom, with work ethic, one of the biggest issues that we have, our, our most expensive issue, one of the, I don't, I'm not framing it right. Good thing I'm not running for president. But if you look at the social issues that we have, and particularly with the minority communities, and he talks about it so well, that we, we've got to get the message out there to them that the social right. issues that we have, the morality issues that we have are tied to the economic issues, that when a girl has a child outside wedlock, unmarried, she's got a 90% chance of ending up in poverty and on welfare, and that cost her, her her freedoms, and it cost us all economically. you got to tie the two together, and the Republican Party has not done a good job of that. He bridges the divide for us in terms of the identity politics game, and when you've got somebody who can speak to the community, and I heard him say this just the other day when he was asked, he was in Ferguson, I think it was, and he was asked about it, and he talked about the ties to the, the breakdown of the family in the black community, that they're, they're being mm-hmm. taught to be victims 
and they're not taught to lift themselves up out of poverty through education and through reading. And he also addressed the issue the other day, and I'm hoping that he gets this into the debate. He addressed the issue of his lack of, of executive experience. He says, look, I want what lack of executive experience? I've started multiple foundations, foundations that are successful, making a lot of money and, and doing right. well across all 50 states. Many other people start foundations and they end up losing money and they end up in a, in a fiscal and legal mess, not his. He has also right. instituted many educational programs because that's how he lifted himself up out of poverty is through reading. So he started a lot of reading programs and literacy programs nationally. The man is successful. and I, You know, and I have to say, one of the things that I, I do like about him, and that we, I think we should listen to him when he talks about the the experience he had coming out of poverty, the experience he had as a as a black man in this country. I mean, the rest of us can talk about it and think about it, but he actually experienced it. And we ought to be we ought to be listening to what input he has uh, on that, and and the fact that there is hope for for people who are coming from circumstances that aren't privileged to do well. Yeah, you look at what Barack Obama's done and how he's divided us across uh, you know race and gender and economic conditions, and he is somebody who can actually do what President Obama said he would do. President Obama said he was going to be the great uniter, and he has done everything he could to divide. And Ben Carson is somebody who can actually unite us, because he did come from the inner city. He did come from poverty. He is from the from a, the, a minority, and none of it kept him from being a tremendous success. So I'm really hoping, and, and that's when, and they knew it. The Democrats knew it. They knew he was a threat, and that's why initially Megyn Kelly went after him and asked him that silly gotcha question. Oh, you didn't even know who the Secretary of the Treasury was as she read his name off of a, off of a note card because she didn't know the man's name either. <laughs> now, speaking of underprivileged children, before we take a break, because I'm super excited about the Bellatrix business block that's coming up after the break, there are also children that are coming out of difficult situations in our foster care system. And this is a subject that gets very little attention out there in the media. And it's a subject that's been near and dear to my heart because some cousins of mine had foster children in their home. And I've known people that foster children. And it's not an easy thing to do. And right. these are children that come from so many different types of, of disadvantaged situations. And even though the government and the foster care system isn't the best, that we've got. And sometimes it's even worse than the conditions that the children come out of. So these are children that face some tough, tough obstacles and the government doesn't do enough to help them. And we've got an organization coming on that you've brought to the Andrea K show. It's a nonprofit called positive face. And so I'm super excited that you're bringing them onto the Andrea K show tonight, Alicia. And I'm really excited to have Gina surgeon, the founder from positive face beyond the show. We're going to take a break. Please, please, please don't change that dial because when we come back, Alicia is going to be talking, and I are going to be talking to Gina Surgeon, the founder of Positive Face. And you're going to love this story. AM 1170, the answer. Want to start living better, longer? La Vida Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, LaVita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at LaVitaRx.com or call 866-507-1990. 
It's fall flooring season with incredible deals on the hottest styles right now at Lumber Liquidator's Fall Flooring Kickoff Sale. Choose from over 400 great floors with over 20 laminate styles like American-made mahogany for just 49 cents a square foot. More than 30 bamboo floors like carbonized bamboo for only $159. And over 150 hardwood floors like pre-finished gunstock oak for only 99 cents. With a dollar off Bella with 20% off Dream Home Laminates. Plus great floors, wood-like tile, vinyl, and more. With 24-month special financing, the Fall Flooring Kickoff Sale is going on now. Visit LumberLiquidators.com to find a store near you. Attention business owners, does the thought of hiring a lawyer make your palms sweat? Do you worry about the day a lawsuit, audit, or other nasty surprise could threaten your entire livelihood? Trade in the sweaty palms for peace of mind. Bellatrix PC's Peace of Mind Plan gives you a lawyer for a low monthly price. Plan your legal compliance, get advice, and prevent problems. Sign up now at peaceplan.biz. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. Outsource your worries. Peaceplan.biz. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Glad to have you all here with me tonight. It's Monday night. I'm excited to be here with you all. And I'm excited about having Alicia Dern back with me, the legal libertarian analyst. And she's also the owner of Bellatrix Law. Hey, Alicia. Hi, Andrea. Alicia, I'm super excited about this guest that you've brought onto the show tonight. Can you tell everybody about her? Absolutely. Um, I'd like to welcome Gina Surgeon. Uh, she is the founder and uh, executive director of Positive Faith, which is an organization hello. that... Uh, hello, Gina. Can you hear me? Yes. Hi. Um, so, Hi. you know, I, I, started, I started to tell the audience a little bit about Positive Faith, but you know what? I think it would be better to hear it from you. Can you uh, tell... Tell us a little bit about Positive Faith and, uh, and how you got uh, into starting this organization. Oh, sure. Thank you. And thank you for having me on today. I um, was very excited to uh, be able to share my story on your show. Um, just to kind of introduce myself, uh, I'm a native of Detroit, Michigan, and um, I've been in San Diego now for about half my life now, so I consider myself a uh, San Diegan at this point. So does that mean you're okay? Does that mean you're okay that the Chargers beat Detroit yesterday? <laughs> well, I have to stay neutral. Uh, okay. All the family happy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh goodness! But it's um, it's it's definitely been a good place. When people from home ask me how is it living here, it's like you know it's hard to hate it, no matter what. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a beautiful beautiful city, um, and I've been uh, had the pleasure of calling my home for over twenty years now. Um, but uh, growing up in Detroit, um, Positive Face actually is an organization that's birthed out of my life story, with the intention of making my personal testimony. The testimony of other children that have gone through foster care, have had to live in kinship homes, um, have had to go through the adoption process, and the acronym for the organization itself, the name Positive Face, actually stands for Positive Foster and Adopted Children Excel. And literally, it's meant to tell the whole story of the organization. Um, for myself, um, I actually started life out uh, living with my uh, paternal great-grandmother. And um, when my father, my uh, birth father, came back into my life, um, things took a pretty hard turn downward. Um, mm-hmm. So there were several layers of abuse that led to me becoming a part of the foster care system in Detroit um, at about the age of five or so. 
And, um, you know, for the years that came forward, um, I was eventually adopted a few years in, but the, um, it wasn't the most ideal placement. And so by 16, I actually just moved out on my own. Um, the thought being that, um, you know, if this is what a home life was going to be, I could pretty much kind of chance it on my own. What happened after you moved um, out at 16? Where did you go? Well, for the first couple of days, literally the streets. Wow. Um, and I managed to, um, run into, well, say, as I'm walking through the neighborhood trying to figure out what am I going to do next, a lady that attended my church uh, happened to be driving um, in the opposite direction and um, in what you kind of feel the spirit of Christian love, pulled over to the side and uh, <laughs> started yelling at me. Uh, okay. <laughs> Not they had been looking for me for the last couple of days and where had I been and what were you doing? And um, she and her husband invited me to uh, stay in their home while I finished high school and uh, basically just made me a member of the family. So that's and- kind of like the movie The Blind Side. Nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> had my own absolute you know, draw experience and, you know, the, the, the positive, the fruitful things that come out of positive faith draw out of the experience that I had there with teachers with, you know, cause every day is not um, shady, even in what sometimes can be an unreasonable situation. So all of the positive situ- you know, events that made up where I am I'm I'm basically looking to kind of reel those things in Mm -hmm. and channel them Mm -hmm. in this program so that young people will have a chance to experience those things that are encouraging, that will help them build their self-esteem, that will help them see that what might happen to you in life, you may not completely have control, Mm -hmm. but you do get the control of where you take your future. That's right. Yeah, that's such a, a really good message. And, you know, I am, I, I, told, I know I shared this with you before, but my husband and I are in the process of adopting some children. And we just went through 40 hours of training as, um, you know, adoptive, you know, potential adoptive parents. And they, they tell us all about the statistics of what happens to the children who are not, uh, they're not adopted and not brought up in a, a, a stable environment. And, and it's really sad. The numbers are shocking of how many end up, you know, on the streets or, or in crime. Uh, so, I, I mean, I think that the, what you're doing uh, with Positive Faith, I mean, it's really a need that um, out there for so many children. Mm-hmm. And if you could just kind of tell us, you know, what exactly is the mission of Positive Faith? I mean, we, you, you and I had talked about, having an impact that was sustainable in, on these children's lives. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, for the members of the organization, we want them to look at this as being kind of an exclusive club put together just for their benefit. And the mission of the organization is to encourage positive life choices through social, emotional, and academic development activities. Um, so mm-hmm. what, in essence, the focus is that When they join the organization, we are looking to start with younger children. Um, There's a lot of programs out there, but a great deal of them tend to focus on um, junior high and older students. And, you know, this is meant to be a little bit more preventative. We don't, you know. Instead of crisis management. 
Exactly. And unfortunately, you know, people don't necessarily tend to look at that six-year-old thinking that what their problems, you know, that their problems are as genuine as a 13-year-old who's starting to act out and might end up in juvie. You know, um, why not try to address that young person that's six and daydreaming all day in classroom? You know, I've been that kid, um, you know, that just tries to escape in a book just because it's better than what's going on every day. And so we want to give them an outlet, you know, in all of those ways and, you know, expose them to, you know, different sport activities that, you know, they may not ordinarily have an opportunity to do. They may not like them all, but at least they can say, you know, why they don't like it. Yeah, I've tried tennis. I've I've, I've been golfing. (laughs) I've been fishing. You know, just a couple of things to just kind of expand their world. Um, get them involved in community service so that they'll understand that there's an importance of you contributing to your community and your environment, that it's all interactive. Um, Having the right trained staff to work with certain workshops on not bullying, not being bullied, uh, self-esteem, trust. And if in that component we see that a student needs maybe a little bit more interaction, working with the family to refer them with some partner organizations so that they can get a little bit of early intervention so that they can develop more healthy as they grow older. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, in that academic development environment, making sure that they're performing that grade level proficiency um, early on, um, especially in the areas of reading and math where we have you know prisons being built based on third-grade reading statistics. Mm, Um, We want to be able to do, you know, have an impact in, um, you know, putting those prisons out of business as much as possible just by making sure that we're helping in that way, adding that extra tutoring or, you know, reinforcing things going on in the classroom, starting financial literacy in the junior high years so that over six years, they are pretty much Wall Street proficient by the time they graduate high school because they've had a bank account and Mm -hmm. they've managed it and they understand what it means to have a good credit score and what it means to uh, what's going on when they're turning on, you know, the news and they see the ticker going across the screen. It's not something foreign. They can actually speak to that by the time that they graduate from high school. Yeah, You know, I and, always, yeah. yeah, I always wondered, you know, what happened to foster children when they got out of the system and, and turned 18 and, and were they just propelled out there with no training and no preparation for, for life and no support system. Right. And this really prepares them to go out into the world mm-hmm. and have some knowledge and some confidence and also be a part of a community. I love the community service aspect because everybody, we're all kind of tribal to a certain extent. You know, we all we all want to be a part of a community and feel like we're a part of a family. And one of the things that I've learned over the years is that family is so much more than DNA. It's about, mm-hmm. you know, being a, being a part of something. Tell everybody about um, this town hall that you've got coming oh. up with Bill and Melinda Gates. Oh, wonderful event that's coming up. Um, an organization that I'm a member of, Delta Sigma Theta, um, is partnered with the Delta Research and Education Foundation out of Washington, D.C., and they were contracted by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to sponsor something called the Delta Teacher Efficacy Campaign. And just to kind of keep it simple, DTEC. Um, And so 40 cities across the U.S. were selected to host a town hall. 
And in the town hall, we were asked to bring together educators, parents, students, um, people from lawmakers, um, all areas across the school, whether it be the facility staff or the school cafeteria staff, community organizations, literally, let's bring everyone together and talk about the concept of teacher efficacy. What can be, what can go on in the classroom and what can we as a community again do to help support empowering teachers to know that they can make a difference in a young person's life. Um, this It's a three-year campaign with uh, various parts, and the goal for that is very similar to the mission for um, the the, um, objective for Positive Face is that they want to see by 2025 at least 80% of our students across nationally be college proficient. So it goes a little bit past having uh, students graduate from high school to say that, no, we want to be more competitive globally. We want our children just going into colleges as a natural part of what they do, 80% of them at minimum. What types of things do we all need to do as an education community in order to make that happen? And so during this town hall, and it's on Saturday, starting at uh, 9 o'clock at the Educational Cultural Center, it's a free event and everyone is invited to be a part of it. And we want to have an open conversation. We want to document some of the solutions that the community has as well as the panelists. And we will be submitting the video and white paper from this to the sponsor organization. And they will be compiling the uh, results of the 40 cities and publishing them in the 2016 Phyllis Scholarly Journal. So we'll actually be able to look back and see. Regina, we just got just a couple seconds before we had to hit a commercial break. Um, If you could just tell uh, everybody how they can, uh, where they can go uh, for this town hall on Saturday. I think it's great that you're crowdsourcing um, the community's information on uh, how to solve these problems. Oh, wonderful. And, yes, we definitely, like I said, invite everyone, every official, every parent, every child, because even one of our panelists is a sixth-grade student, um, honor student. So we're looking for this to be a full conversation. It's, again, at the um, Educational Cultural Complex at 4343 Ocean View Boulevard. The town hall starts at 9 a.m. There is an education resource fair just before it that starts at 8 o'clock. And we um, are using that to share with the community some of those support systems that are in the community to kind of help students excel as well. Great. Thank you so much, Gina, for, uh, for being on the show. And I wish oh, you the best welcome. of this town hall, and we'll have to talk about the results when you're done. Okay, great. And they can also see us on Facebook, um, Positive Face, and they can from there or our website, positiveface.org, to get links to register for the town hall. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Gina. Love the work you're doing. You're a hero. Keep it up. Thank you for inviting me on. Oh, certainly. All right, everybody, we're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to talk about another little organization called Miss America. A lot of talk today about Miss America. Don't change that dial. This is The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. 
Convenient homestyle recipes and unique menu favorites. Sombrero, your place for San Diego style Mexican food. Roll tacos, California burritos, and don't forget your salsa. Sombrero Mexican food. We get it too. Attention business owners, does the thought of hiring a lawyer make your palms sweat? Do you worry about the day a lawsuit, audit, or other nasty surprise could threaten your entire livelihood? Trade in the sweaty palms for peace of mind. Bellatrix PC's Peace of Mind Plan gives you a lawyer for a low monthly price. Plan your legal compliance, get advice, and prevent problems. Sign up now at peaceplan.biz. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. Outsource your worries. Peaceplan.biz. I have great news for people like you who want to change the world. Right now, Project Hope has medicine to cure and treat some of the world's most deadly diseases. It's been donated by generous pharmaceutical companies, and all we have to do is ship it. This is where you come in. Every dollar you give saves the life of a child, as Project Hope sends medical supplies for children and families in Africa and remote locations around the world. That means that when you call today, your gift of $50 will save 50 children. Vaccines, medicine, and medical supplies, the things we take for granted every day, can make the difference between life and death for a poor and hurting child. Change the world, one hurting child at a time. Call Project Hope today, toll-free, 844-454-HOPE. That's 844-454-4673, 844-454-4673. Or give online at projecthopeairlift.com. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Oh, yeah. There she was last night. I wish I had the video playing for that as she tripped in her gown, you know, earlier. And they were asking the judges last night in the Miss America pageant, how do you judge swimsuit? How do you judge the evening gown competition? Oh, it's about confidence. It's about the poise that she exudes. Really? Is that really how they chose Miss Georgia? I don't know. I'm a little confused by how some of the judging went last night. I mean, I guess the good news is for the Miss America organization... I guess the good news is, is that so many people were talking about Miss America today. There was a few years ago to where we weren't sure if the Miss America pageant was even going to continue to be around. Disclosure, I have friends and family associated in various ways with the Miss America organization. I have a niece who was actually the teen version of Miss America in the state she was in. And one of my best friend's daughter is actually on scholarship right now. Were you uh, Miss Louisiana back in the day? Oh, no, I was not. One of my One of my good friends was, actually. Um, but And I have friends that actually run state programs. So I am a believer in and have been a believer in the Miss America organization because historically it truly was an amazing way uh, to honor girls that were not just beautiful, but were strong in their academics, hardworking, smart girls who also were philanthropic and, and, and worked hard in their community. They were talented and they had a drive and an ambition to do something with their lives. So it truly was the ideal. But now, now we've come to where the Miss America is somebody who trips in her wedding gown and answers her onstage question with, that's a really good question. I'm not sure. I think I'd have to be there to see the ball and uh, feel it and make sure it was deflated or not deflated. But um, if there was a question there, then uh-huh. yes, I think you cheated. If there was any question to be had, I think that he definitely cheated and there, that he should have been suspended for that. That's not fair. What? Say what? 
I would have had to have been there to feel the balls. She says. You're talking about Deflategate. To I know the, they're the talking about it. But, you know, really? You know, it used to be. That's who won? I mean, come on. As much as I dislike some of the other answers, as much as I could not stand Alabama's answer, this is a big wide-eyed. I don't know if you were, I don't know if any of you even watched this, but this is how far the organization is sunk. The GOP should be frightened, she said. They should be scared to death that Trump is, like, taking all the attention away from Jeb and from Chris Christie. It's like, oh, Lottie, is that Carl Rove, Carl Rove's daughter? She kind of looked like Rove, too, right? She was like chubby cheese. She had her hair pulled back. It was like it was it was Carl Rove in a, in a skirt. That's a scary image. Exactly. Um, but I was just really, uh, you know, I don't know if some people were actually speculating today that, that the Miss America program was actively shilling for the Democrat Party or were they just trying to rebrand themselves by going, you know, Democrat because you got Tennessee coming out spewing all kinds of lies. It's like she was actually working on behalf of the National Organization of Women or the Hillary campaign or or the Democrat Party Obama flat out lying about Planned Parenthood. There is not one mammogram machine in any Planned Parenthood. Oh, if we take the funding away from women's health care, they'll have no way to get uh, get women's health care besides the 100,000 clinics, and how about the fact that Obamacare now covers everything? You know, 65-year-old lesbian couples have, have birth control covered under Obamacare. This is It was flat-out lies and propaganda. Even worse, we had Colorado. You know, every question was a setup for the Democrat Party and for Hillary in 2016. Oh, what do you think about having the first woman on the American currency? Who should that be? Oh, said the wide-eyed genius from Colorado. How about Ellen DeGeneres? Oh, she mean, was stoned, Miss Colorado. Yeah, she was dumb. And, you know, come on, Miss America. That was, Colorado was the one in, in, with a stethoscope around her neck. That, that one didn't even qualify as a monologue. That wasn't talent. She stood there talking about some old patient of hers with Alzheimer's who didn't have a memory. I mean, come on. I was supposed I, to be I, your I hear talent? Better. What's that? I was supposed to be her talent? Yeah. Could have at least wrapped it or something. <laughs> right? Or sat down with a Dixie cup and told it while she was like, you know, doing the Dixie cup thing. You know, from Pitch Perfect, I don't know. I just thought it was absolutely ridiculous. I was really uh, not happy with um, the Miss America organization. And then the the most cringeworthy moment, besides Miss America tripping in her gown and talking about feeling balls, the most cringeworthy moment was when Sam, what's his name, stands up there and apologizes to, what's her face, sourpuss Vanessa Williams, who sat there with a scowl the entire time. And he apologizes to her. Exactly what were you apologizing for? The fact that she had taken these nasty pictures that violated her morality clause in the contract. And so she had to have her crown taken away from her. Why did you trot her back out there? Why did you give this phony apology to her? It was, this is not the Miss America pageant. This was the, you know, the Miss um, Socialist Scandinavia pageant. You know, this was a complete attack on the American traditions and an American icon that's what this was about for me. It was a complete undermining of American tradition, and I resented it. And I'm, I'm, I don't know, I could be way off base, but I think a lot of people are agreeing with me today on that. Um, enough about dumb pageant girl lives not mattering. Hashtag stupid pageant girls' lives don't matter to me anymore. Um, speaking of hashtag... Um, Stupid actors' lives don't matter. Somebody was posting on Facebook, was it true that Will and Jada Smith donated $150,000 to Louis Farrakhan's 
organization? Yes, Doug, they did. They gave $150,000, not to inner city kids who were poor, not to the school systems that the left talks about don't have enough money. No, they wrote a check for $150,000 to the Justice or Else March in Washington, which Farrakhan originated. I don't know if he's actually going to be out there marching. He's Lately, he's been taken up behind the microphone calling for the murder of, of white people. Maybe that's what they mean by Justice or Else. I'm not really sure what the or else means, Will Smith. Are you going to actually... Pop somebody in the head. What are you going to do? What does that mean? What are, you, what are you advocating for when you give money to an organization called Justice or Else? What do you think that means, Todd? Well, I, I mean, it sounds like terrorism. Yeah, it does. It's domestic terrorism. And that's exactly what the Black Life, Lives Matter movement is. Was it's, it Will Smith and Jada? It was Will the, and Jada Pinkett Smith. I, I was thinking maybe it was their kids because they wouldn't know any better. Well, you know, well, their dopey kids are being raised by two, two dopey actors who don't know any better. He's real big. Um, at, Will Smith is real big into Scientology. Well, that was the rumor. But, you know, I don't know. You know, I'm not even sure who's wackier or who's more way off base mentally. The Church of Scientology or, you know, did I say that out loud? Or the Black Lives Matter movement, which is today's version of the KKK. Um, I'm not really sure. But, you know, the... Guess what the Black Lives Matter movement's done in, in addition with Obama. And Walker basically is pinning all this on Obama. We now have, it's like every day, uh, Todd, we've got another police officer uh, shot as a part of this. Okay, I don't know what happened there. Uh, we have the we had overnight. We had a Kentucky trooper who was shot. Thirty-one-year-old Joseph Ponder was gunned down after he pursued a bad guy. And guess what the make and model was of the shooter? Who shot the Kentucky Trooper? Um, African American. Yeah, African American. That's right. Um, he ended up losing his life. He ended up dead on the scene after he was refusing to put his gun down. He will probably get a sympathy phone call from Obama. Kate Steinle didn't get a sympathy phone call from Obama. None of the police officers did. And I tell you, you know, we were talking earlier about Ben Carson. Um, he supposedly has said. That he's questioning Darren uh, Wilson, Daryl Wilson, who shot Michael Brown in Ferguson. I'm hearing some things about Carson that I'm not really sure that I'm digging. And I don't know how, uh, if it's true that he said that. I'm going to have to do a little research there. I did see that he's a little on board with, with, I don't know if it's full on amnesty. But I don't like hearing that we have to give, you know, jobs and we have to let illegals come here for jobs that Americans supposedly won't do because I don't believe that. But I there's another side of me that says, well, you know, we have a conditioned Americans. We have conditioned Americans to think that, you know, they should be able to live off the government. In fact, I think it's in Delaware to where all the government programs combined, the different entitlement programs, they can live pretty large, like $65,000 a year. So maybe they don't need to work. So maybe that's the game plan. Entitlement programs that that incentivize people to stay at home and not work so that they can bring the illegals here and set them up in the fields, even though the majority of field workers and migrant workers are not actually immigrants, they're Americans. But the game plan is, no matter how you slice it and dice it and move people around, the game plan is expanding that dependency class. Keep the the Americans indoctrinated into 
being dependent on the government, bring in the refugees from the Middle East, bring the Mexicans and the people from Central America up here supposedly to do the jobs the Americans don't want, and they all end up on welfare programs. Almost 70% of them are on welfare programs. What do you have? They're all voting Democrat because that's the party that's going to give them all these entitlement programs. We must have somebody address this Wednesday night in the Republican debate. I want to hear them take that on. The reason why Trump still has 33% and the polls is because he's willing to say it just like I just did. We're going to take a break. We come back. We've got some more things to talk about right here on the Andrea K. Show. Don't change that dial. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Want to start living better, longer? Levita Compounding Pharmacy can help. Proudly improving the lives of over 10,000 patients, preparing personalized medications with the highest care, quality, and safety. Voted Union Tribune's best local pharmacy, Levita specializes in bioidentical hormones, prescription skin care, transdermal pain creams, and more. Let us help you find the path to living better, longer. Visit us at levitarx.com or call 866-507-1990. Attention business owners, does the thought of hiring a lawyer make your palms sweat? Do you worry about the day a lawsuit, audit, or other nasty surprise could threaten your entire livelihood? Trade in the sweaty palms for peace of mind. Bellatrix PC's Peace of Mind Plan gives you a lawyer for a low monthly price. Plan your legal compliance, get advice, and prevent problems. Sign up now at peaceplan.biz. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements. Outsource your worries. Peaceplan.biz. I'm Nicole Donnelly, and for over 20 years, I've owned and managed Miramar Kitchen and Bath with one goal in mind, to offer great service and great value. Just listen to what our customers are saying. Service was excellent. Easy process, start to finish. We are really happy with our new bathroom. We've already talked to them about redoing our kitchen. They have our complete trust. Call Miramar Kitchen and Bath, 858-271-8434, or visit my showroom, just one half block off Miramar Road on Commerce Avenue. Contractors license 657 Miramar Kitchen you're listening to the Andrea K show on AM 1170 the answer welcome back to the Andrea K show okay wh- who, what song is that I'm, I'm so far I was digging all your bumper music I have no idea who the heck that is that's a run DMC with tricky I should know that song because one of my old buddies from Xerox, we called him Tricky. His name was Richard. We called him Tricky. Hey, before the break, we were talking about, I don't even remember what we were talking about before the break. You remember what we were talking about, DJ Carrot Sticks? I don't even remember what we were talking about. We've talked about so much tonight. We've talked about everything from Hillary. We've talked about the Iran new deal. We've talked about refugees. But you know what? Here's some more interesting stats on this refugee situation. I didn't realize this. Did you know, uh, DJ Carrot Sticks, that the USA lets in almost 300,000 Muslim migrants annually? Wow. Almost 300,000. Of course, most of them speak Arabic. Well, of course they do. And you know what? They're not coming here to assimilate. How do we know that they're not coming here to assimilate? Have they ever assimilated anywhere? No, they don't assimilate anywhere. And the Muslim countries are what, like 90 to 100% Muslim? You, you or you either convert, you die, or you pay their jizya tax. Okay, they ain't interested in assimilation. 
they're interested in their way or you lose your head. And Saudi Arabia, one of the ways that we know this, because people have questioned me, well, how do we know that they're going to come here and not want to be Americans? Or they're going to come here and cause trouble and, and come here and not want to assimilate. Saudi Arabia, not only is Saudi Arabia refusing to take in any of these refugees, Todd, because they say that it's a threat to them. Their solution is, okay, we're not going to take any of these in, but they're offering Germany that they're going to build 200 mosques. That's like what? That's like... A, that's like a Starbucks on every corner. Where are they gonna they're gonna put as many mosques as a Starbucks over there? Two first of all, two hundred mosques in that little country? That's an enormous amount of mosques. But that's a sign, that's proof that they absolutely do not assimilate over there. Two hundred Why don't they just build them apartments instead? Exactly. That's a good point. How come I, they're not how come they're not offering to, to feed them? How come they're not offering to you know, provide housing or any other uh, programs to assist these people? No. What is it? And it's because Islam is not a religion. It is a political ideology. They cannot live under any other system. It is not about assimilation. It, this is about a caliphate. It's about conquest. Saudi Arabia knows it. Everybody knows it. There's infighting amongst them, kind of like kind of like the equivalent would be the Baptist fighting you know the the Methodist, but at the end of the day, that's what this is about. It's about a worldwide conquest and caliphate. And if we were smart here in this country, we say never forget. Well, we've forgotten. And speaking of that, you reminded me coming back from the break. I was asking at the top of the hour where that came from. How soon never forget came about after nine eleven? And you said actually it was started. That was a phrase that started after the Holocaust and is also used for slavery. And the interesting thing is. We've forgotten about that, too, the Holocaust. We've got a lot of Holocaust deniers out there. Who's denying that the Holocaust happened? The Muslims. Iran. And in fact, the Muslims were tied in to Hitler and the Holocaust movement. And that's actually what, what's going on today. That's why they chant death to America and chant death to Israel every day. Because they're the infidel and we're the infidel. And they want to destroy Every bit of us and all of us. And we got to stop it from happening. I want to know. I want Carly Fiorina on Wednesday. Nobody's asked her the question about that dopey speech that she gave honoring the um, the greatest civilization of, you know, the Ottoman Empire. I don't even remember what all she said in, in the speech she gave, but it was not long after September 11th. And there's also reports going on about some shady illegal deals that, that was done with HP through a third party in Dubai back when she was with HP. So she's not been vetted enough in a variety of different ways. So I'm not saying I'm 100% off of her right now, but I got to do my due diligence. And if I find out, I want her to answer for that speech she gave about Islam. And I want her to answer about the charges that happened with the business that she was doing with Iran. There were sanctions going on. HP was not supposed to be providing product to Iran, either directly or indirectly, directly through companies set up in Dubai or through uh, Russia. So we got to see what's going on there. Well, it's scary that, uh, you know, a possible uh, Republican candidate would have those kind of things in their skeleton, but the we're not privy to any of that kind of stuff. So she does. it's not a big factor in her deciding whether to run or not. Well, it's something else that's interesting about her that Peggy mentioned is that um, where's her family? You know, one thing you can say about Trump is, he, you know, what a, what a great family he's got. Yeah, he's been married like 19 times. Okay, he's got like, you know, multi, 10 kids from all these different wives. But you never hear any scandals about his kids. Where Tons of scandals about Democrats and their kids. But you, you never hear any. There's no scandals with those Trump kids. They all go to school. They're all educated. They all work hard. Nothing given to them but opportunity. 
So, you know, I don't know what's going on with her. Um, how many? How much time we have left? I got to work in a little time. For okay, we got barely enough time to talk about the NFL because we are back. It's football season, yeah. baby. Yeah, and I got to give it. I, I had to. I had to tease Gina Surgeon, who says she grew up in Detroit earlier, because what a win that was from the Chargers yesterday over Detroit. That was absolutely amazing. And, you know, people were questioning Rivers and whether or not he still had it. But let me tell you, he proved what we know about Rivers. He has the, he still has the talent. He still has the arm. And that man is a competitor. It didn't matter how much they were down. It was what they were down, what, 21 to three and two interceptions and this and that and the mistakes that were made. And they came back and they won that game. And I got to tell you, I was just as thrilled by their loss as I was devastated by my Saints in New Orleans. I mean, come on. You know, maybe y'all down there in New Orleans might have done yourself a favor by keeping Sproles, keeping Lance Moore, keeping Jimmy Graham. Y'all got rid of pretty much everybody who helped them win the Super Bowl back years ago. Come on. The old old man Carson Palmer put on a clinic. He threw like uh, four touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for reminding me, Todd. But I tell you what, cheered me up. The Sunday night game between Dallas and the Giants. I got to tell you, who do who do I dislike more than Dallas? Jughead. Jughead Manning. Eli Manning, I got to tell you, that was juicy. That was juicy. I predicted Dallas. I know I got some Giants fans out there. I know, I know one of my besties is listening right now, and he is not happy with me bagging on the Giants. But that was actually a really exciting game. I don't know if you watched it, uh, Todd, but that was a really exciting game. I mean, I, you know, I'm not a Romo fan, but I got to tell you, he made it happen in the end. But a lot of people are saying it really wasn't Romo that made it happen. It was really a bad mistake on Eli's part. He should have just taken the sack, and he shouldn't have put left that much time on the clock. But you got to give it to Romo. He made it happen. So, oh, as for tonight, let's see. Uh, Monday night football looks like San Francisco over Minnesota, 17 to 3. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm not hating that outcome. That's not bad for me. And I am loving being with you all. What? Two, oh. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were playing my happy. I thought you were telling me the show was over. Okay. um, And the two minutes that we have remaining, some nutty California business. It looks like California is giving out high school diplomas to kids who have flunked out. What? Is this true, Todd? I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah. Well, you know what? This is the same. You know, we had the university. I I heard this morning that the UC system has come out and said that they're going to have... um, uh, some new rules. I don't know if it's going to be in the handbook or how they're going to enforce it, but they're going to, they're going to have rules, I guess, to where nobody can be offended. You're not going to be allowed to offend anybody. Well, who gets to decide who gets offended or not? Right? Yeah, I don't know about that. That's what liberalism, that I'm telling you, we all know that a university system is run by liberals. Liberals want to control everything. They supposedly want to do it on behalf of your own good. But what it really is, is it's it's just complete intolerance in the name of tolerance. Because they want to get to decide what it means to be offended, what is offensive, and what is not. And guess what's always offensive to liberals? Christianity. Guess what's offensive to liberals? Anything traditional, like the traditional Miss America, which is why they had to turn it around and have it be pandering uh to you know the the worst of the worst of 
um, the left and, and liberal women. But I do want to wrap with um, I had a phenomenal event that I went to to Thursday night for the California Pro-Life. Thank you, Elisa Brent, for inviting me to, to go there and be the MC. It was an amazing event, and I thank you for including me in that. Absolutely, there, there was a um, – this is a push to defund Planned Parenthood. And there was a, what's it called, a petition that was passed around. This is a really serious movement by really serious people. Father Frank Frank Pavone was there. He is the national director of Priests for Life, which is the largest pro-life ministry for the Catholic Church. He was there, as well as Dr. Gina was there from um, America Trends on YouTube America. In fact, I am going to be on Dr. Gina's show this Wednesday night, so keep watch on my Facebook page. I'm going I'm to put the information out there so you can watch me on Dr. Gina's show. She is fabulous. She is amazing. She has an, a miracle adoption story that just brought tears to everybody's eyes at the event. I'm also going to be on Craig Sewing's TV show Wednesday, so you're just going to be so sick of me by the time next Monday rolls around. And thank you all for joining me for this hour. Thank you to David Weissman for calling in from Israel. Thank you to Charles Ortel for calling in and talking about Hillary. Thank you to Gina Surgeon from Positive Face. Thank you, Alicia Dern. Thank you, DJ Carrot Sticks, and thanks to all the listeners out there. Let's keep the conversation rolling on Twitter at Andrea K. Show, here on Facebook, and I'm right here every Monday night, 8 p.m. Pacific time on AM 1170 KCBQ. Love you all. Here come back news, talking news. See the ball and uh, feel it, make sure it was deflated or not deflated. Well, give me all you got and don't hold it back. This program on AM 1170, The Answer, is sponsored by Allied Media Group.